Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. With me this week, I've got Adam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good, thank you very much. And I've got Emma. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Right. Uh, This week we are recording on the Thursday after the Champions League final, but we're going to have a little run through that just to give our sort of Man of the Post opinion of what happened. Uh, We'll have a little chat about some of the home nations and how they got on um, in their internationals, their warm-ups of the Euros this week. Uh, The managerial hot seat or merry-go-round whatever it is uh, is well and truly warming up and i'm sure adam's got a horse in that race and then some other bits and bobs of uh, news so um we're gonna go back to the champions league on saturday night there so uh, manchester city nil chelsea won kai Havertz, thanks to a rather lovely uh, mason mount assist um chelsea win their second champions league in porto um so is this a question of tuchel doing something right or pep doing something wrong adam Um, Pep doing something weird, but we all always expected that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> every every time I've watched, like, expect like the last thing I, I think people would have expected was would have to play no holding midfield player and have to start with both Rodri and Fernandinho on the bench and have them both end up on the pitch. Um. But uh. The more uh, the times I've watched City um, this year, I've, I've just I've never really felt that the Kieran De Bruyne playing through the middle as the the striker works. So I think that was the bigger failing rather than necessarily not having uh, not having uh, uh, Fernandinho there. I think maybe if you'd had. Had De Bruyne playing further back at the expense of maybe Bernardo Silva, and had Aguero start, or maybe even had Foden try that role through the middle. Maybe we could have had a slightly different outcome. But um, alas, Guardiola did what Guardiola does. Yeah, um, I mean, do you think Tuchel uh, responded to what Guardiola did, or do you think he thought? He sort of thought thought this through before the game and sort of caught Guardiola out. I don't know whether he would have expected Guardiola uh, to not play a holding midfielder. Hmm. Seems like a pretty unreasonable thing to think that would happen. Um, but I think he needs some credit, though, right? I mean, they managed the game really well. Yeah, very much so. I think I've seen a lot of the analysis I've seen um, this week has been about how Pep got it wrong rather than what Tuchel and Chelsea did right. So, yeah, he does deserve um, some um, credit, doesn't he? Yeah, 
absolutely. I mean, they did they did something slightly different, at least to what any of us were, were probably expecting. Because I think I um, I made no secret of the fact that I thought that Chelsea were going to ruin this game, mm. um, and they were um, the, at least the more dominant attacking force in in, in it. They uh, they had a multiple attempts, and they probably could before. They probably quite reasonably could have been two goals up. Yes, Timo Werner had a couple of chances, didn't he? Yeah, especially the uh, the one I think Mason Mount put the ball quite quite far behind him, so it's very difficult for him to get it out of his feet. But um, it was still sort of like from six yards out, so a very strong chance. Um, Yeah, the one thing I would I, I would say is that uh, my quite strong opinion is is that um, Rudiger should have been sent off for the um, assault on Kevin on Kevin De Bruyne. Did you think that at the time, or because of the injury that De Bruyne had? No, I thought it at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm a bit unsure on those sorts of tackles because the the defender doesn't under the letter of the law doesn't have to move out of the way does he but I guess at some point no but he didn't what he did was he does not moving out of the way and he he checked his run to make sure he absolutely smashed him yeah okay no that's he changed his moment he changed his momentum to do it and look what what I will say is there is absolutely I don't think there's a a a, like a UEFA standard referee in the world who would have sent Rudiger off for that hmm but when you check your run like that and the referee um, clearly deemed it um, a big enough a big enough problem for it to be a uh, a, a, a booking because he gave him a, a, the booking was the highlight of the game mm-hmm. um, or at least the manner in which he booked him was the highlight of the game oh he lifted him up and then showed him a yellow card with his other hand in one fluid motion and <laughs> um, but, uh, um, I think that when you're checking your run like that to to, to smash someone like that, and then you're going to smash them, you're you're hitting them around the sort of head and neck area. There's no way you can't um, you can't claim that you're not endangering an opponent. Okay, Emma, you warned us about this referee before the game, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> Magilla Hoss, he's box office entertainment he was everything <laughs> he is everything i think he's retiring after year or two in 20 he was not only was not only was he everything but he actually had a, a despite in my opinion what should have been a record he had a, i think he had a really good game he did he did he behaved himself but still found that one moment to make it about him when he booked Rudiger. <laughs> yeah does this does it does this make you more or less angry because this is like saying like when you're watching this, you're like, oh, so so you can do this. <laughs> yeah. All those times, all those times I you played, you were offering my team. You just chose not to. <laughs> yeah, it was very disappointing in that way. Also, Rudiger should have some punishment anyway because his wife gave birth to a daughter, like this week or last week, and they gave it the middle name Trophy. What? Yeah. Yuck you um it was incredibly comfortable for 
Chelsea in the end, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Kante's got, obviously, a, a, a lot of plaudits for being uh, his sort of engine room from midfield. But I think Christensen and Rudiger in particular earn, um, deserve... Uh, an awful lot of credit as well because everything that um, City were putting into that box either it being a low cross on the ground or being sort of high through the air the pair of them cleared it um, with sort of consummate ease the whole time I never ever had the, the, the feeling that City were going to score I don't think is that the same what you guys think? No, Any other chances thought... have they? Oh, go on. No go on Any cool. other chances that they did put sort of uh, put together weren't they weren't of high quality really I mean their best chance was possibly in the first half and that was foiled because of a Rudiger tackle wasn't it yeah there was also the the I would say the one where Aspilicueta put the ball over the bar which he definitely didn't need to do oh yeah like, he got a bit lucky there but still when the breaks go for you but um, yeah, Christensen deserves a lot of credit for someone who had to come in off the bench and yeah. play him as the as as the sort of commanding central central defender in a back three. Yeah, what are you going to say, Emma? Um, that I fully expected Aguero to come on and score in the last ten minutes. Did you? Oh, I was, yeah, yeah, I it, wanted it so it much. It felt like destiny. I'm disappointed. Obviously, he didn't. But yeah, me too. it had a sense of inevitability about it, the way it played out. It was um, Mendy's ninth clean sheet in the Champions League this season as well. So uh, he's another one that deserves a, a huge amount of credit. When it got to the 90, when it was getting like, I was just like, please do it again in the 94th minute, exactly the same time. <laughs> Someone did tweet um, when they saw seven minutes of injury time come up that, that um, next season there's going to be a whole load of Manchester City podcasts called like 96-23 or something like that. <laughs> um, I'm just nicking this off of a podcast this week I have heard and I can't remember which one it was 2012 felt like the end of something so um, you'd got Czech and Lampard and Cole and um, Terry all sort of coming to the end of there to Drogba as well of course that was last... yeah that felt like the end of something that Champions League win um, someone was saying that this very much feels like the start you've got a lot of young players you've got James Mount um uh, team of his, name not, his name isn't James James Mount that must be his cousin yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah you've got a lot of uh, Christian Pulisic as well um, and Mendy you've got a lot of younger players there um, and it feels like this could be the start of something big for Chelsea uh, do you see the sort of opposite way that these two sort of their trophies have, or their, their two European wins have played out with that narrative no I don't no, you don't think this is the start of something big for Chelsea? No, I just think that Chelsea are Chelsea are going to do what they did, what they've done over the last sort of ten years, which is fluctuate between chaos and changing manager and hoping to get something out of that. Um, seeming to be able to be an institution that can kind of thrive in that uh, in that in that chaos and make things work and what the, the, the proof being in the pudding that they the two both Champions Leagues that they've won have been when they've changed manager in the middle of the season yeah um, does anyone like what do, does anyone here really think that this is going to be a situation where they're going to sign uh, they're going to sign Thomas Tuchel to a 
a six-year contract and he's going to see it out and he's going to win them three or four Premier League titles and uh, another Champions League in that space? Or do we think that Thomas Tuchel will be managing uh, uh, probably some like managing Real Madrid in, <laughs> in two years' time? Well, he's only got a year left on his contract. He was only 18 when the contract he signed, wasn't it, Emma? I mean, do you sort of see that point that maybe it's... Um... This is a, sort of a different Champions League win. Yeah, I think it is different to last time. I think they do have a lot of uh, things to build on, but it is going to depend on if they put any sort of long-term faith in Tuchel or not. Yeah. Would you, if you were Roman? Yeah, he's a good coach. Yes. No, he's not Frank Lampard. <laughs> no, Frank Lampard he certainly isn't. Um, the last three Chelsea European uh, or, or wins within Europe, so um, the Cup Winners' Cup, the Champions League and the Europa League, the manager has left halfway through the following season. So, you know, there is a sort of a form and a narrative there. Um, it's the third year in a row that a German coach has won the Champions League as well, isn't it? Yeah. That's nice. It is. I mean, the, the one two years ago was probably the nicest. In the worst final ever played. Ah, who cares? Who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing called winning with style. Ah, who cares? And not, and not a dodgy penalty. <laughs> dodgy penalty? He's trying to catch that football. Um, okay, anyone got anything else you want to say in the Champions League? Um... Can I find something else to dislike about it? <laughs> I hope it's more exciting next season. Well, good luck with that one. <laughs> We're not going to be in it. We're going to get banned. And you think so? Because of the Super League? Yes. Can you imagine the Champions League without Real Madrid and Barcelona? I mean, Juventus possibly, but, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona not being in it. Sorry, why can you, can you imagine it without Juventus? Uh, because they were out of it for quite a while after Calciopoli, weren't they? I don't think they're out of it for as long as you think they were. Maybe they weren't. No. Okay. Just got that wrong. I suppose they've, they've played the finals in recent years, haven't they? Um, yeah. I mean, I... Well, I mean, think. I mean, just like basic logic. Just to take, like, they won. They didn't win. They didn't win the title this year, right? But they won the last nine before that, and <laughs> they didn't. And they got relegated in two thousand and six, so they got promoted in two thousand and seven. So that means maximum they could have been out of it for another three years, and that's assuming that they didn't qualify for the Champions League before they won the title. I think it's fair to say that the 21st century has been dominated by uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid within the Champions League, hasn't it? I think that's probably what I was sort of getting at, the number of wins that the, the pair of them have got between them uh, this century, I think. You know, we've only won the Champions League five times, and one of them was in 1992. Yes. Don't so... say that to Chris, because loads of... Loads of his were in the eighties and the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Which means you've won that competition by any stretch of the imagination. Which means you've won it four times this century, haven't you? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, between two thousand and six and twenty fifteen. Yeah, so within the last twenty one years. It's been a while since we last did anything good in this competition. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to to be fair to Chris, it does, I think the the rough maths are going to work out. But it's going to be Barcelona or Real Madrid have won the Champions League this this millennia roughly one in two times yes that's what i'm trying to say so uh, i can imagine 
it's, it's more of a leap for me to imagine those two not in it than it would be Juventus. That's what I think that's probably what I was trying to sort of say. But you think that's serious, do you? That they won't be um, they won't be in next season? Yeah, it's the only thing that they've got to punish us with. And for me, it's not a punishment. It's saving me a lot of stress and heartache. <laughs> it should make it a lot easier for you both to win the league against um, Atleti next season, then, if you go to have any midweek <laughs> Theory, football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice, well-rested teams. Exactly. Uh, okay, right, so that's the Champions League done for um, for this season. We'll move on now to uh, a sort of a changing of the guard for managers. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about managers, we'll talk about one that's staying. So, Ronald Koeman has said he's going well, to stay. come on. And not only that, he's got another Dutch friend to help him, hasn't he? Yes. So, Jordi Cruyff has been appointed as a sporting director. He has. To take over... Is this... <laughs> Is it, is Did it, you see that earlier in the week things were so bad for for Ronald Koeman that people were so, I think like he had to tweet basically that he wasn't dying. <laughs> yeah, apparently they said he had. He, it was reported he had some sort of anxiety attack. Um. So is is Jordi Cruyff taking over the Eric Abidal position? Is that essentially what he's doing? Uh, I believe so. I think so. Okay. Are you confident he'll do a better job? He was no. given a very broad term when I read it on BBC Sport they were being very uh... <laughs> yeah I don't think anybody really knows what his job's going to be he's just here now well so he knows like that's the important <laughs> thing <laughs> fingers crossed he knows <laughs> so what's he doing is he sort of overseeing a rebuild of the club or is he in charge of recruitment what's he supposed to be doing I think it would be recruitment <laughs> he's supposed to be bringing bringing the surname Cruyff yeah, that's what he's doing. And they brought, it's the only thing he's got. And they brought him in to be the man that gets rid of Messi. <laughs> they brought him to fire the, the the kill shot. Yeah, exactly. Apparently Messi's um, going to sign a 2D contract with us. I don't blame so, him. Not with, those, think... um, not with those salary figures you quoted today. Yeah, they're stupid, aren't they? Okay. Have you got those to hand or should I start reading reading them out? I do have them to hand. Go on it. I will never be without them. No. <laughs> Read out the ones that are making you the most upset. Well, let's talk about Messi first of all. What's he on per week? <laughs> Which bit of his salary do you want to know about? His weekly, weekly or his salary. annual? His yeah. weekly salary of $1.16 million Euros a week. Okay. And do, we know if that's, do we know if it's net or gross? We don't. Spain, okay. isn't it? I hope Taxes. It's... <laughs> I hope it's gross. That uh, is 60 million euro a year salary. So that's 1.16 million euros a week. So who's in second place? Antoine Griezmann. Mm-hmm. And is he... Who a week? Mm-hmm. A week only gets paid 689,000. So Messi's way out in front then, isn't he? He... I wonder why that is. Well, um, and he's going to get a two-year contract. Yeah, because he, he might take a pay cut. He's mm-hmm. 33. He's going to not, probably not earn as much. And they're going to offer him, like, well, when that's up, you can go and play in the MLS. But you're also going to be an ambassador for Barcelona. So which ones have really irked you? Would it be Sergio Roberto <laughs> and £204,000 <laughs> a week? <laughs> right. I, I, it should definitely be the Sergio Roberto one, because... <laughs> 
as the person who sometimes has to be, act as, as a slight surgeon who's about to apologise, that made me angry. I've got to be honest, the first thing I looked at was for Lionel Messi, and then the next one I looked for was Sergio Roberto. Ter Stegen must be fucking furious. (laughs) (laughs) Gerard Piquet must be furious. You you don't think this is some part of... He's got got Shakira money, though, isn't he? Well, yeah, she doesn't pay her tax, so... He can can do... He's basically doing a... um, He's basically doing a Tom Brady, where he can take less money and... And, uh, <laughs> He's just doing a job that makes him happy. Yeah, and Shakira and Giselle are out and in the big bucks, paying yeah. the bills. It and makes it... me sad though that I feel like he needs more money. Any other but names? The that... <laughs> do we need to? Do we need to start? Do we need to start a crowdfund? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shall we? Maybe we could but... sell memberships. The, the fact that um, that Pjanic gets paid so much and Coutinho and Umtiti and Roberto it just makes me deeply sad yeah I hope I hope that, that the um the Umtiti one is is um is hidden from us because actually what happens is he gets fined two weeks wages every time he refuses to have an operation and they just happen to ask him that every two weeks <laughs> we should he should be on pay as you play yeah, he should be um, yes, yeah, so um, Philip Coutinho was the third most uh, with €470,000 a week and then Pjanic on 314000 a week. Uh, the thing I looked at as well is the ages of these players. So Messi 33, yes. Griezmann 29, 28, Coutinho, Panic, uh, 30, then Busquets 32, Alba 31. So that's that sort of top uh, half dozen or so. They're quite old players, aren't they? It's not like they're sort of sellable, really, is it? Of course they are, Chris. I, I, when I first died, I was earning 18 grand. You've got to get older. That's how you make money. Oh, no, I understand that. But, you know, by the time you get to their age, who is going to want to offer a 30-year-old Mural and Pjanic the equivalent of €314,000 a week? Are you saying that nobody's going to want to buy 28-year-old Felipe Coutinho, who is getting <laughs> paid €25 million Euros a year? That is what I, I am suggesting. I'm absolutely baffled as to how um, how Pjanic is on so much money. Do you remember the creative accounting we did? Yeah, well, it seems to have some downsides. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's not without its price. Because I can't imagine that I, I can't imagine that Hattor was on that sort of money. <laughs> Dan Bailey, who's also getting paid, paid a fair whack of money, is trying to renegotiate his contract at the moment as well. So that's going to go up. If he decides to stay. He was one of the ones on my list of six people who are stealing a living, in case you're wondering. I think that's harsh, because I love that. I love him. Uh, I'm not saying that he's not He's not got something about him, but I think he's stealing that much money. Who else was on your list? Uh, in the top ten, who was, else was on my list? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it would have been Mtiti, Pjanic, uh, Dembele, Sergio Roberto... Uh, Griezmann. Oh, one more. Coutinho. There you go. I was going to say, if Coutinho wasn't on your list, then we could no longer be friends. <laughs> um, Whew, got that covered off. Yeah. That's Champions League winner Coutinho, you say. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of bad players have won the Champions League, Chris. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, yes, that makes for uh, pretty unhealthy reading, I guess, doesn't it? 
Why do you think we're finding lots of plays and free transfers? You are, aren't you? Uh, I was going to talk yeah. about that later on, but yeah, let's talk about that then. So you've uh, you've signed Eric Garcia this week on a free from Manchester City, but you've been linked with um, both Memphis Depay and Gini Wijnaldum as free signings as well, haven't you? Yes, and Laporta says that there are going to be more signings next week, so I expect it to be one of those two. And um, so what? Which stuff I read said said that Wijnaldum was a done deal. Stuff I've read that says that Wijnaldum is not a done deal and he has offers from Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich and better teams. So so what outgoings are you going to have? So presumably all this is doing, although they're free signings, all this is doing is just adding to the wage bill. Yeah, look, but there's... We usually, at the end of every season, we usually have a list of players who are untouchable and then everybody else will listen to offers for. The only people on the untouchable list this year were Messi, De Jong, PK, Dest, and Fati, I think. Is Everybody this just like public knowledge? Uh, to a degree, yeah. Right, okay, so it's not... The, the club don't pull it on the website, it's just kind of... <laughs> No, we're not quite that brazen about it. <laughs> so um, you listen to offers for Puig and Mariba then? Uh, yeah, I mean, Pooch doesn't even play, does he? So. Kostegan? Uh, well, we were linked with signing Donnarumma from Milan. Ah, oh, right. Ah, well, there we go. Maybe it sounds like Kostegan might want to... Kostegan wants a way out, and you found a free option. I would not begrudge him a way out. I think he deserves better. But again, you're adding to that wage bill, aren't you? Because because um, Gini Donnarumma. Do you not think that Sergio Aguero was going to play for free? Well, no. Again, that's another one. But Donnarumma is a <laughs> um, uh, is a Mina Raiola uh, player, isn't he? Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh well, fuck that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's going to make a big hole in your bank account. Yeah. But we will listen to offers for everybody else. Okay. Everyone's fair game. That's if the offers come in, of course. Yeah, but nobody's going to buy 32-year-old Sergio Busquets, are they? No. Nobody's going to buy Coutinho. Nobody's going to buy Griezmann. Nobody's going to buy Pjanic. I'd be surprised if anybody wants to buy Martin Braithwaite. I did see um, Coutinho back to Liverpool. Uh, because you still owe us for instalments for him from the original transfer, so it just it, we just sort of get him back for free. You know, just yeah. get, is this, is this, this you like get him you back. We afford, don't owe you. We're all good. Like, yeah, like you can't afford to pay the finance in your car, so you just go and dump it outside the <laughs> outside the car. Dude. Yeah, we're gonna come back and repossess him. Yeah, we're just gonna send him outside, like leave him outside Anfield with a bottle of water and a blanket. <laughs> Hello, until no someone finds him. Please look after this bear. <laughs> Sorry, that's Paddington. My bad. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's Barcelona. Um, Adam, we better come to you because Carlo Ancelotti has left for Real Madrid this week, hasn't he? Snide. You thought we were larking around in the WhatsApp group, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Until the horrible, I, the realization I... hit you. <laughs> I actually heard about that on Sunday night, and I forgot to tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is sorry, a sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, what was your initial thought when you realised it was actually going to be happening? Uh, I, I actually made my piece of it very quickly. Why is that? Or how how did you make that piece? I don't because he hasn't actually been that good. Uh, has he been able to be that good? Has he has he been backed well? Um, he signed well in the summer. Well, we signed. Hammers, which obviously wasn't a, a, on a free, but obviously a lot of wages. We signed him Allen, we signed him Decore, we signed him Ben Godfrey. Like we spent money in the summer. Yeah, and he, not that he did a bad job, but just by the end of uh, by the end of this season, like if you watched Everton play and asked asked them what they did good, it'd be hard pressed to come up with an answer. Does it feel so bad because it started so well this season? If you see what I mean, you had such a good start, and to have ended up where you've ended up, um, and with Dominic Cavalloon scoring all those goals as well, um, does it feel a bit sort of worse than if you just sort of meandered through to the position you ended up in? Um, I see what you're saying, but finishing tenth is just, is isn't good enough anyway. Right. So, so I see what you're saying. If it had been where we'd been, where we were top of the table for. For, for weeks if it had been that and then it fell apart and we'd fallen down to finishing 6th, 7th maybe even 8th I could take take your point but I just think that this is, that was a, a disappointing season that's been covered for by the fact that they tried to put a positive spin on it by saying that we we scored more points than we did last season well last season at some point we were managed by Sam Allardyce hmm um, what's been the reaction being in Spain, Emma? Oh, people were surprised. Yeah? Yeah, nobody Happy surprised. that. Happy yeah, su- I think yeah. so. Tell them about his, um, his other snide comment uh, at the, um, the... His shots he fired at the, uh, at the club. Uh, which ones? The ones that he fired at Everton or the ones he fired at Real Madrid? Both. Both. Let's go both. <laughs> Yeah, he said that um, <laughs> that that he he walked into the press conference room, and he sat down and he said that he <laughs> he looked at all the journalists and said, "Well, you're all the same. The only thing that changes at Real Madrid is the coaches." <laughs> uh, so that's a good way to start. And he said that um, he made some comment about the difference in ambition of Everton and Real Madrid that they were happy that they weren't getting relegated and Real Madrid want to be playing in the Champions League which I think says something about his ambition because then he took the job but we'll let that slide what is interesting though is that Ancelotti if I remember rightly fired shots about the Super League and said that they should all be uh, suspended and it was wrong and etc etc so he's going to have to have a conversation with uh, Florentino Perez about that <laughs> so which players are going to be happy Madridistas and who's not going to be so much <laughs> I don't know if anybody's happy at the moment I mean nobody even knows if Sergio Ramos still stay, is, is going to stay I mean I think the only thing that you can 
say is that they will listen to offers for Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard. Although maybe Hazard would be more likely to get a look in there because I assume he played for Chelsea when Ancelotti was there. But didn't Bale play for didn't Bale play for Ancelotti when he was at Real? Did he? I also don't think Ancelotti and Hazard's time crossed at Chelsea. I'm not sure. I think don't they? I think Ancelotti left in 2011 and Hazard arrived 2012. I think. Uh, yeah, he did. I wondered if they'd had any crossover. Yeah. Um, well, the, well, the, you, whenever something like this happens, there's always going to be lots of ludicrous reporting. But there's some of the reporting I've seen was saying that um, uh, that now the idea being that um, both Bale and uh, and Azad could possibly be brought in from the cold and given an opportunity under under Ancelotti. Um, it feels but, unlikely. I bet they'll both get sold. But then I also saw it was also reported that he he would be back in for James Rodriguez. Well, I've also seen that Gareth Bale hasn't ruled out retiring after the Euros. Well, he said, didn't he, that he'd made a decision about his future, but he didn't want to say because it would cause chaos. Yeah. Yes, that by right. causing chaos by saying that. Yeah. Oh, um, while we briefly mentioning Sergio Ramos, can we talk about the fact that Spain appeared to have retired the number 15 jersey uh, because he's not <laughs> in the Euros this year. Their squad numbers go from 14 to 16, don't they? I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. There's no wow, what f- a loving tribute. <laughs> There's no 15. No one's wearing 15 for Spain at the Euros this year. <laughs> what a loving is, tribute. Is, what, has Ramos always worn 15, have they? I did have a look back through previous World Cups. Yeah, other players have worn four um, while he's played. He's tended to wear 15. I think he wore 15 when he first went to Madrid, didn't he? Yeah, he did, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, they've um, retired that shirt from him. Very nice. Um, So, who are you seeing now coming? So, I've seen, you'll love this, uh, Steven Gerrard and Rafa Benitez linked for the Everton job. (laughs) I mean, you looked out for them, didn't you? Oh, no, I mean, I, I, uh, to be honest, the next Everton manager hasn't really been something I've been actively seeking, seeking this week. So I, 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 it's sort of things I've seen rather than sought out. But I Are you the one that linked them with yeah, I am, the Everton job? Of course, it wasn't you. <laughs> I'm Fabrizio Romano. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I saw that Everton were linked with Sari today. Oh, OK. So, it's... of that holy trinity, I'm... who would you like? I'm expecting a just a... I, I'm honestly quite ap- <laughs> apathetic about it. I'm expecting some sort of form of, of mediocrity to join, the, to come and fit right in alongside the squad. I'm, su- I'm surprised Eddie Howe isn't being mentioned. Moyes. Moyes is trying to leverage us for a new contract from West Ham. How do you feel about Gerard or Rafa? Um, apart from the fact they're ex scousers um gerard has steven th- gerard could fuck right off oh, really? <laughs> despite the season he's had in scotland scotland okay you've said it for me okay <laughs> so is that the only reason why he can or i guess there's a many many reasons why there's many reasons why he can fuck right off that <laughs> well, what about benitez um i wouldn't be too um uh, I wouldn't necessarily be against uh, Benitez. Nuno? 
Um, I don't see the fuss. No? Would it not get you a load of George Vendez players? If you got... Well, no, I think the whole, the whole problem might be that it won't... Like, I don't think we'd sign up to the whole... Would we sign up to the whole George Vendez thing when we've got Marcel Brand as a director of football? And if we didn't do that, how good is how good is Nuno on his own? Okay. So there's no way we're going to see Cristiano Ronaldo at uh, Everton next season? I mean, when things get desperate... So there's not a name that sort of you're pinning your hat on. No, I just feel that it's going to be. I feel like there's going to be varying degrees of disappointment, and I'm just hoping it'll be one of the more lighter, lesser disappointing names. Would you take Duncan Ferguson, or is he going to no. Madrid? <laughs> <laughs> I would pay big money to see him in the league next season. He would love it. Can you imagine a Duncan Ferguson Scottish Scouse Spanish accent? <laughs> it would be so good. <laughs> Can you imagine I him squaring up to Diego Simeone on the touchline? Oh, we need Borgos back again. <laughs> be so good. <laughs> you don't want Duncan then? No, I've got no. I don't want. I don't want Big Dunk. No. Okay, you sound very um, resigned to the fact you're going to get some clodder. Well, who knows? Like. Maybe something mental could happen. Like, no, like, Monchi is a very um, ambitious man with what he he tries to do. No one expected that uh, Everton would have had Andrade in the first place. Um, and when he was mentioned, no one expected that it was real. So maybe he can pull an, another rabbit out of the hat. But we'll wait and see. What do you make of him as a as an owner? I mean, have Everton progressed under him? No, they haven't, no, but um, they haven't gone backwards. They sort of meandered along. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've spent quite a lot of money. Right. Yeah. If that's what you want from an owner. I'm... That gets you Alex Iwobi. Seems, seems to, yeah, gets you an Alex Iwobi and uh, <laughs> Guilty Sigurdsson and... Uh... <sighs> I'm fed up. <laughs> you sound like a man at the end of his tether um, alright we'll cheer you up by talking about somebody else's misery then so uh, Spurs um, both Antonio, oh. it looks like Antonio Con- uh, Conte they're about to sign Antonio Conte that's not misery that's... do you really think that Conte and Daniel Levy can work together because I don't I don't no. I didn't say it was but that's carnage for us is entertainment oh yes yeah but I love Jesse and I don't want bad things for her yeah but we need another all or nothing documentary this season of Conte's there oh god yeah we do you're right <laughs> so it, I mean was the Pochettino thing real does anyone think I never thought so but I think he actually might want to leave PSG but whether that means he's returning to Spurs is a different matter yeah Um. so what do you think of Conte then Emma I think he's a good coach, but I just don't see how it works for him there. I don't... I don't get it. <laughs> no, I find it... I find it a little bit bizarre. I don't, is it fair to call him a checkbook manager? Yes, it is very fair to call him a checkbook <laughs> manager. Uh, and I wonder... Is it? Is it fair to call Like, only because I think that he's... He's a, he's a manager who does very good things with... with and he requires a lot of signings and certain players. But 
has he always it's not like um has he always had it's not like he's gone and spent loads and loads of money right and signed the best players I mean Hakimi I mean, and um uh, Lukaku and he signed he signed like Ashley Young and Sanchez and Damian and players exactly, like that so exactly. that's my point like Ashley Young I'm saying I'm not saying he doesn't he's he he, he definitely is someone who has a coach who has very strong opinions on players and the players he wants to knows the type of players he wants to work with yeah so if you are going to get him in you maybe you probably have to accept that you need to be um very uh, agile and being willing to make be make a lot of um, moves, a lot of squad moves to to facilitate what he wants to do. But as part, what I'm trying to say is, it's not like he's gone out and signed um, Mbappe and spent hundreds of millions of pounds on individual players. <laughs> He signed some play, some of those players are on a free. Some of those players are still Ashley Young. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, do you think his arrival would have any effect on Kane staying or going? Maybe he's a big name. He wins things, um, but I imagine that was the same logic in bringing in Mourinho. Yeah, I mean Mourinho was maybe a bit was obviously a bit more of a busted flush at that. At that stage already by then, but yeah, and Conte can point to a very current Serie A winners medal, so I think it could play a part. Um, a lot of people, uh, I've been like Justin obviously made it quite clear in our pod that he didn't think that Kane was going anywhere. I don't, I, I can't facilitate, I can't see a situation where him and his agent are making such noises unless they've got this sewn up, yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So uh, what, the other things we've got, we've got um, Conte's replacement at uh, Inter will be Simone Inzaghi from who's joined from Lazio, where he won uh, the Coppa Italia and a couple of um, Italian cups. Uh, the better um, Inzaghi brother with a better sort of coaching career so far. Um, Maximiliano Allegri has gone back to Juventus. Uh, they say never go back. Would either of you two got sort of done what Allegri's done? Nope. No. No, but Allegri is an odd one mm. because Allegri has been, sure or surely should have been, one of the most respected in-demand coaches in world football since he left Juve. Yeah, and a lot of big jobs have come and gone without him even sort of entering the fray. You don't see his name very often linked, do you? You're right. No, that's what I'm, exactly what I'm saying, Chris. Yes, I mean, exactly what I'm agreeing with. <laughs> that's exactly what you're agreeing with. <laughs> uh, and Mark Van Bommel is the Wolfsburg coach. Um, I'm sure that'd be a nice and calm experience for everybody. Uh, England have played a international... <laughs> England played international this week and they beat Austria 1-0 um, their 7th straight friendly week and uh, Bakayo Saka scored um, it's the 33rd different goal scorer under Gareth Southgate so uh, those same fans that were booing him as he took a knee uh, then cheered him later on which I'm the irony I'm sure is pretty much not lost on him um, there were no Manchester City Chelsea or Manchester United players um England sort of started in with 4-2-3-1 formation according to the BBC so 
Bellingham and Rice holding with uh, Lingard, Grealish and Saka um, just behind Harry Kane. Um, I don't think Bellingham, Be- Bellingham holds. No, that's the formation they had him in. But it, you know whether that's a sort of Gareth um, Garth Crooks team of the week formation or not, I don't know. But it um, that's how they had I, him. I think Bellingham, Bellingham would be considered more of the box to box player in that. Yeah, I guess he must have been. Uh, it's nice to see him start though. Uh, Gareth Southgate said, "I thought we started well, uh, and then they got a bit disjointed." Um, has anyone seen the highlights of this at all? No, I watched the last fifteen minutes. Oh, what do you reckon in those last fifteen minutes? It was dire. Was it? <laughs> Had they got into um, uh, sort of substitutions territory, and the game was sort of petering out? I d- I don't know. I feel like I I, I was so late to it, I probably missed all of those as well, but. It, the game was very much on a go slow. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, speaking of taking the knee, uh, Gareth Southgate said that some people aren't understanding the message. Um, so it's good that he's vocal on these things, isn't it? Because I can think of a couple of managers that might sort of stick their head in the sand. Uh, Nigel Pearson, ostrich style, when it comes to something like this. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, well, yeah. No. I, don't, I mean, there's not really... People are, people are idiots. People are trying to claim it's because people are against Marxism. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not completely sure um, millionaire footballers are, the, are the really the sort of the... The, uh, <laughs> the communist that people think they are. The, the, Marcus, the Marxist uh, yeah. um, poster boys, but hey. I mean, yeah, there's nothing we can sort of... None of us here are sort of disputing the fact that um, it's a terrible thing so yeah we'll, we'll just go. grim up north isn't it it is isn't it uh, okay who would like a quiz sure Bakaya Saka is the third teenager to score for England whilst being an Arsenal player who were the other two Theo Walcott yeah similar sort of era um... similar era yeah same era Current Premier League player. Three names. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? Certainly is. He's not the same era. Well, I mean... It shouldn't he? Theo was there for a long time, so he's supposed to be spanned areas. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, and England are unbeaten in 19 games when an Arsenal player has scored. The last time uh, England lost when an Arsenal player scored was 2003, uh, when England lost to Australia. Who would have been the scorer then, Adam? 2003? Yeah. Or Emma, you know this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I totally know. I'm just going to keep it secret. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> I won't, yeah. Sol Campbell? No, he's a fox in a box. Franny Jeffers? Yes. <laughs> that was when Wayne Rooney made his debut. Um, okay, right, so a little bit about the squad. So we're going to have a sort of Man on the Post preview for these things, but we're just going to talk about the sort of personnel... Uh, rather well, now, than... you've promised, now you've promised something I haven't actually um, <laughs> I haven't actually got, got signed up, but sure, okay. Okay, well, if we have a Man of the Post preview, we won't go into too much about what you think about England's chances. I just want to talk about the sort of personnel pick. So, um, John Henderson and Harry Maguire, who are injured, have both been picked. Uh, Jesse Lingard, Ollie Watkins, uh, not Mark Godfrey, that was a podcaster, uh, Ben Godfrey, um, James Ward-Prowse, uh, Aaron Ramsdale, uh, are all dropped out. Um, ben White. Ben White as well, sorry. Mason Greenwood uh, was injured and pulled out. And now Trent Alexander-Arnold. It's good job we picked all those full-backs and <laughs> all those right-backs. Um, 
I'll be happy with the makeup of the squad, Adam, with your England flag on the side of your car as you drive into Tesco's. What? I don't go to Tesco's, mate. Come on. <laughs> well, when you get the butler to go to Waitrose. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's the other extreme. Is I don't go to Tesco's. Well, it must be your butler going to Waitrose, then. <laughs> There's two things. It's giving me one or the other. <laughs> um, yeah, um, what do you reckon to make up for the squad? I think four right backs is excessive. Yep. Luckily, one of them's got injured, isn't it? <laughs> I think that I found it a little bit. I think I found it a little bit mental that um, uh, Southgate let the players who he'd already essentially dropped um, choose if they want to stay, and if the ones if they stayed, the ones that did stay, let them participate in the game because. I think that he already is in a slightly difficult position where he could end up making, well, I think despite anything but, um, but oh, I'm going to say win, maybe winning, but maybe he doesn't have to completely win. Maybe he just has to at least get to find anything but a great performance at, at the Euros. And there are going to be people criticising his squad selection and that would have happened no matter what Yeah. the last thing he wanted to do was give Jesse Lingard the opportunity to score two goals and, and get an assisting like two goals and assist against Austria which hasn't turned out that way but I think he, he lived a, a, a charmed life do you think it was a good thing to do to protect those players that he was going to take is to pick some of the others he wasn't going to take so you know it didn't happen with Trent but of course you know he might sort of protect some of the more sort of key players Emma um, sorry, I totally checked out because you were talking about England and. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. This thing... another thing that they understand. <laughs> There's this why thing. Didn't, um, oh. Why didn't Jesse Lingard get picked? Just out of interest. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't understand why. Would you have picked him? Yeah. Yeah, I would have done as well. Okay, because I remember having this conversation a long time ago with Ross uh, on this podcast, which is: Do you have a sort of squad that you tend to go to, or do you just? Uh, do you pick players based purely on form? So the the squad could be forever changing because you've got different players in form at different times, or do you have your sort of settled squad and then just bring in the odd player like Lingard who's on a hot streak? Well, I think your answer is a mix of both, and I actually think that Lingard is both of those players because I think he's been in a lot of previous England squads, although not he has had a prolonged period out. Mm. But he is one of those players who um, has never has, as I explained never let England down yeah um, like he's not the most like it's almost like he rises to the occasion of playing for England that's an occasion for him um, and he he seems to take on the, the challenge and you, that's when you get his best football He, if you play him in an England game in the Euros he will he will he will give you seven out of ten. Yeah, he scored at the last World Which, Cup, didn't and he? there's there's stuff to, there's things to be said for that. A similar player, and he's obviously nowhere near the squad, but it's similar to sort of Danny Welbeck, right? Danny yeah. Welbeck's goal scoring record for England compared to his club career is relatively phenomenal. Mm. Um, some players just happen to uh, suit certain occasions, and I think that. Lingard is that, and then when you take into account his superb club form in the last six months, 
um, he uh, he should be going, and I would be su- I wouldn't be surprised if he does now go. Hmm. Okay. Um, does the England squad fill you with any kind of trepidation as a flag waving Spaniard ever? No, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which one of these two statements was the most ridiculous? <laughs> <laughs> Both equal. <laughs> yeah, so you don't sort of fear anything. No, you'll find some way to sabotage yourselves. You always do. Yeah, no, this is very true. Um, right. Also, this week we've had France three, Wales nil. Uh, a little bit sort of disjointed because Nico Williams was shown a red card, which is quite sort of rare and friendly. Uh, but Mbappe, Griezmann, and Dembele scored. Um, Holland drew 2-2 with Scotland. Uh, Hendry and Nisbet scored for... Sorry, you, bur- you buried you buried the lead. Buried the lead. Because I quite like the idea of um, Karen Benzema celebrating his return to international football by missing a penalty. Oh, yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, Holland relied on an 89th minute uh, equaliser by Memphis Depay to uh, salvage some pride from that game um right bits and bobs of news uh the copper america is going to take place in brazil so originally it was going to be taking place in colombia uh Comnebol took it off of the colombians because of civil unrest um it was also going to be taking place as a joint venture with argentina um Comnebol took it off of them because of covid cases and appeared to have given it to brazil who have got both covid cases and civil unrest um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, they're averaging around 2,000 deaths a day at the moment um, due to COVID. Uh, Jair Bolsonaro, um, the president with his sort of fingers in his ears going la 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 um, at the world, thinks that uh, it's a great idea. I'm not 100% sure this is going to go ahead. This tournament. I don't think it should at this point. No, and I think some FAs uh, have said they don't really want to go to Brazil to play it. Why don't they play it in Madrid? <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if it was going to get moved to the Gulf or sort of like the Middle East or something like that. You know how we had the Confederations Cup a year before um, the World Cup? Maybe this could have been some sort of tester for Qatar. Oh, right, because they they, they've actually... Not, they're going to lose out on the Confederations Cup, aren't they? I guess they must do, yeah. So and, I hadn't thought about that, but also what would they have done? Decided, they would have had to decide that they can't play a World Cup in blistering heat but we can have a confederations cup yeah <laughs> uh yes i'm not sure when the confederations cup if or like you say if it indeed it is happening at all so this could have been a good little warm-up for uh, qatar uh but they're giving it to brazil instead it's gonna be an you awesome. should get on the you should get on the blower you could be you're an ideas man do you think yeah yeah who's the head of common i think that's got, i think that's got legs you think i mean it's still gonna be fucking hot oh yeah they invited uh, Australia one time to play in that, didn't they? They invited Australia most times. Why don't they? Um, why don't they do it in Australia? It's winter there. It's cold. Nobody's got COVID. <laughs> um, well, I think they're um, Australia and Qatar were both in it. Was it Japan and Qatar? Um, but they've pulled out due to the fact they got World Cup qualifiers. So um... Oh. Um, they could play it in Qatar, but because it's the Copa America and time zones they could play at night time and it'd be, co- be cool there you go God, we've got this nailed haven't we play in guitar <laughs> but at local time um, Alejandro Dominguez is the president of Common Bowl Adam yeah I'll translate for you I don't we, we'll get it sorted don't worry we'll be fine 
<laughs> play are the you, game you, in the Middle they East. Won't understand if we don't shout it loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Middle We're East. We're problem solvers. Just, point, just Chris just pointing at the map. <laughs> football, football. <laughs> you, you, pointing at them, you, play. Here. Night time. Uh, Sergio Aguero's dad has accused Pep Guardiola of faking tears at um, the thought of uh, Aguero Jr. leaving Manchester City. He said that, I don't believe his tears. He said Sergio is irreplaceable um, and does not have him in the squad. Apparently, he's taken a 17 million euro wage cut to join Barcelona as uh, Sergio he's, Aguero. He's a good man. A wage cut? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's Nic- rich, Chris. It's fine. Yeah, okay, I suppose so. Um, and Nicholas Bentner has retired from football. And if, it, if things got, got tough for, for Aguero as well, so if he fell on hard times, all he'd have to do is move back to Manchester and he'd never have to pay for anything ever again. A <laughs> uh, couple of bits of transfers and bits and bobs before we finish off on one final particular uh, talking point. So Ibrahim Kanate has joined Liverpool for £35 million. David Alaba has um, gone to uh, Real Madrid on a free. How do they afford him, Emma? It was free, Chris. He's not playing for free, though, <laughs> is he? How did he? How did he uh, get no, out it's of... not that free because he's getting paid uh, twelve million euros a year. Right. How did he get out? How did he get out the clutches of Barcelona and they're free? <laughs> they're hoovering up anyone on a free. Yeah, we run the free transfer racket. You yeah. and Juventus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how dare they muscle in on our territory? Yeah, you'll be needing right. some sort of super league to pay for all these free transfers. <laughs> We will, won't we? You've entered boss it, to be fair. The free transfer league. <laughs> uh, other fixtures coming up this weekend. So there's going to be World Cup qualifiers as Brazil take on Ecuador, Argentina take on Chile, um, the National League playoffs as Notts <coughs> County play Chesterfield, little local derby, uh, and then Hartlepool play Bromley. Um, are you aware of Hartlepool and the Monkeys, Emma? Uh, I'm aware of that Hartlepool is a place. I didn't know they had monkeys. So in the, they called the monkey hangers because in the 17th hundreds when Britain was at war with uh, the French and Napoleon, uh, a shipwreck landed on the shores of um, Hartlepool and the only survivor was a monkey and the locals thought it was a French spy and hung it. There is no way that's true. That is true. Uh, and their mayor about 15 years ago was the Hartlepool um, club mascot and he was called Hangus the Monkey. He was a town mayor. Right, that I believe... That the town would elect a mascot, a mayor. <laughs> yeah. I believe that 100%. But I do not believe that people would look at a monkey and hang it. Oh, there's been there's lots of tales of animals being executed in history. There's a very famous photo of, a, um, of an elephant being hung because it trampled on someone. Hung? Yes. That's a strong rope. Yeah. Think about the effort you've had to go to to build the to build the gallows to be able to hang an elephant. There is a famous photo of it. I'll, say, I'll find it and send it on. Should you wish to see it, um, I saying, do I'm want not, to see it. I'm not. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, it feels like there are there were easier ways to kill the elephant. Oh yeah, there probably is. Yeah. Yes. Due process though. Um. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we got. <laughs> He, he, I'm sure that elephant got judged by a jury of his peers. <laughs> he, got, he had a chance to speak for himself. 
Okay, in the A-League is Melbourne Victory versus Melbourne City. In Ghana, it's the Capital City Derby is Great Olympics take on Hearts of Oak. Uh, and in the Russian third division, it is um, Sakhalin versus uh, Kimik Arsenal, which uh, for Arsenal will be a 13,018-kilometre round trip. Fuck me. <laughs> Fancy that, anyone? No. Oh. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Is, are, are you making a joke about it being a different Arsenal, or nope. is it really that far? It's really that far. Um, That's too far. There was years ago, so when Sakhalin were briefly in the Russian Premier League, I think their longest journey was when they had to play um, Zenit St. Petersburg, and some there was like four Zenit fans that went, and they spent two weeks travelling in an old mini across Russia to go to this game, uh, and it broke down on the way back, and it's now in the... Of course uh, it did. It's now in the Zenit St. Petersburg Museum. <laughs> Um, well, we've got some gossip. So, sort of yay or nay for these gossips. So, uh, Memphis to and Genie to Barca, both free. What do you reckon, Emma? Chances of that happening? Probably. Yeah. Kieran Trippier to Manchester United? No. 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 Uh, Jason Koundé, Emma, to Manchester United or Barcelona? Oh, um, I would like that. Yeah. Is it going to be free? <laughs> it won't be free. <laughs> then it's not going to happen. Uh, okay. Um, is, is this, this is the this is the guy with the incredibly bad injury record, right? Uh, about to Emma's better knowledge on this. We're talking about the guy from Sevilla, right? Mm. Yeah. No, I'm then sure. he has does not have a bad injury record. The guy sure that Liverpool Ross... signed from Leipzig has a bad injury record. Yes. Oh, I'm getting confused with the two. Okay, that sounds about right. Uh, Zeki Celic from uh, Lille to Manchester United Spurs or Arsenal. He's a fullback that can play both sides. <laughs> Manchester United Spurs or Arsenal. Yeah, which suggests it was just, just um, we need to write something. <laughs> uh, and then, okay, so um, Kylian Mbappe to Real Madrid, which therefore means that Cristiano Ronaldo moves to PSG, and as a makeway for that, Mario Icardi goes to Juventus. That's a lot of plates wow. to this one for it to work out. But does anyone think that could happen? No. Yeah. Okay, can anyone see uh, one, two, or three parts of that happening? Icardi could move to Juventus. Yeah. I think Juve would quite happily get rid of Ronaldo. Yes, I think they're the two that I could probably see happening as well. Uh, I could... Mbappe to Madrid just feels inevitable. It does. It does, but not this season. I think next season is a season that Haaland is available for 65 million euros. So I wonder if that's got anyone thinking about why they yeah, want they'll need to... Yeah, they'll send Mbappe, we'll sign Haaland, we'll go, you know, it'll be fun. Well, no, I wonder if anyone is thinking, why would I chase Mbappe this season when I can get try and get Haaland next season for a whole lot cheaper? And if I don't, Mbappe's still young enough to sign. That would be very sensible. Mm. That's not how Real Madrid work. And you know it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, just a little tiny thing to talk about here. So we are um, recording this during the middle of the French Open, and Naomi Osaka has uh, left the French Open um, because she didn't want to give um, post-match press conferences. She says they plague her with anxiety uh, and depression and, and various other sorts, um, which has sort of led to a debate about press conferences in general in other sports uh, football so pre and post match um can anyone see 
the point of a post-match football press conference uh, it, it sort of immediately in the sort of 10 or 15 minutes afterwards? No. No, I, I'm struggling. How, often, to... how, many, of, how many of them really um, provide you with any sort of um, insight or things that, that, that you think are of, of huge value? I, the only one I can think of was... Um, I can't even remember his, which his name now who it was, but do you remember the, um, the press conference from the the Burnley defender after the um, Ben Mee. the aeroplane ben the aeroplane yeah huh? that's right Ben Mee. yeah um, beyond that like you don't get insightful bits of information from players do you in those instances not really um, no. They're tired. They probably haven't. They haven't di- digested the game themselves. Mm. They're um, they're media trained within an inch of their life. Um, yeah, I'm just not. I'm not sure. I see the point. And uh, I think to take from another sport, um, a point that's that's worth something that's worth like a comparison that's worth seeing was um, the incident w- involving the. Um, the like immediate post-match interview that Owen Farrell gave ju- uh, after the Wales game in the Six Nations, mm. where the um, the BBC journalist got a bit of stick on on Twitter and tweeted about how um, how upset she was and and those sort of things, and that and that was a story. But that was essentially. An interview of two people doing their jobs, yeah. and neither one of them really giving an inch, and the viewer learning nothing. Yeah. Uh, um. And the other thing I was going to ask is, do you think we sort of put any undue or unfair pressure on players when it comes to sort of talking pre and post matches? Um. I feel like it's different here because I don't know any there's no how many footballers are open about the fact that they have anxiety or um, find it difficult to talk to people about two but they would openly admit to yeah I think well I don't know I I think... think it's a very different thing because if you look at like speaking about Osaka like in particular and a lot of the tennis interviews especially to female players after the game they are very emotionally manipulative yes and that doesn't happen for footballers does it there's also there's also the, the big difference in being that you're talking about an individual sport versus a team sport so um, the one is if you are if, if, like because with sort of a lot of um, Naomi Osaka's points were around sort of post-match press conferences after after defeats. Now, if you're um, if you're a footballer going out to give an interview after your team has lost, you can only have to take you only have to take your share of the responsibility of that. It doesn't have to all go on your shoulders. And with that, you can also um, 
<laughs> pick as a as a as a group who uh, who does the talking. Mm. So if you're David De Gea and you've just missed a penalty and a penalty shootout to um, to, to not win the Europa Europa League final, you can front you, you can you can front up and go and speak to the media if you want. But if you don't, Harry Maguire will go and do it as club captain and and take that bullet for you. So it is a, a slightly different environment. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I guess it is. You're not the sort of person up there, sort of having to do it afterwards, are you? The same as you would be if you were uh, Naomi Osaka. Yeah, no, I just didn't know if there was, um, if there was some lessons we can learn from her that we can bring across. Oh, into there, football. There's no value to them, mm. and again, if outside of outside, again, we 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 focus on the on the players, but maybe the again, the more. Uh, in football, it's maybe more on the managers, right? We can talk of, we'll probably have a few more instances of um, thinking about um, what a bit, what could be perceived to be revealing um, manager press conferences. And I'm talking about the immediate post-match press conferences yeah. um, where you're forced to talk to Garth Crooks, uh, not Garth Crooks, um, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name now. Um, what's the guy at Sky? Jeff Shreves. Jeff Shreves or um, Des Kelly at Beat It. Like we, like we we all talked about the the Jurgen Klopp Des Kelly incident, for example. Mm. Um, and maybe that plays a little bit. Maybe that's closer to the the tennis dynamic because if you're the manager, it is all on your shoulders. So you do have those. And you can't send someone else. The manager always has to speak. So you do have those uh, instances where they can be very prickly. And you can see exactly the the same thing, probably to a much lesser extent than, than sort of, um, especially female tennis players are, are forced to, to deal with. But we've all watched a press conference where where, where Shreves and Kelly have picked, have, have have gone after a particular topic to get to try and get a response, right? To try and rile the manager up. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. That's one dip. If, um, if there was any similarities, okay, right. Has anyone got any uh, other business or anything at all? No, no. No, no, no. Okay, so we're Man of the Post, part of the um, at Man of the Post network. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Man of the Post. You can give us a like on Facebook too. Uh, we will be back during the Euros, won't we, Adam? Hopefully so. <laughs> you just made a commitment on air now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will be bringing something to you during the Euro, so keep your eyes and ears uh, peeled. Um, you can follow us on Acast or on Stitcher, Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can um, subscribe or like, uh, and all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox. Um, Adam, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, Adam, I say 101. Um, Emma, they can't follow you, can they? Nope. Good. Okay. Uh, you can follow me at chigum 77 uh, and until next time we speak, always remember to keep your man on the post.